Well, if you have a Bible with you, can I encourage you to turn to Psalm 24? As I say, this is our Psalm for today. Uh, We've been working through the Psalms steadily uh, over the summertime, and we come today to Psalm number 24. And Psalm 24 is a wonderful, wonderful Psalm. So, And as we read it together, we remember this is God's word. Psalm 24, a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Amen. We thank God that he blesses us when we read his truth. Well, we're going to look at this psalm together, but before we do, let's just pray and ask for God's help. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we need your help to understand the Scriptures. We need the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that you would lead and guide our hearts today as we examine your holy word. Lead us to see Jesus. Lead us to a deeper and greater love and affection for him. We pray these things in his name. Amen. I don't want to get uh, too personal, but I wonder how you prepared for being here in church this morning. Uh, We have all washed, I'm sure. We've put on our Sunday best, although we maybe didn't, I didn't put the jacket on today because it's so uh, warm. But we've made an effort to be clean as we arrive. And like I said to the boys and girls, COVID has has made cleanliness a greater priority for us. And there is hand sanitizer available as you came into church today. You could sanitize your hands. How did you get ready for worship today? You see, Psalm 24 is a psalm about worship. It's all about worship. It's about who we worship. It's about why we worship, and it's about how we worship. 
And you can see that from verse 3. Verse 3 asks this really important question. A question for all of humanity. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? In other words, who can come into worship? Who can stand before our holy creator God and worship him? And the answer is given in verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Psalm 24, as you, I'm sure, understand, comes after Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. It is, like them, a psalm of David. And the reason I mention that is because what we see in Psalm 24, what we read is, we get this sense that it's speaking about someone who's greater than David. David wrote the psalm, but we get the sense that David is not the fulfillment of the psalm. We know, don't we, about David's sinfulness? It's well documented in the scriptures. It's clear from the stories about David that he has neither clean hands nor a pure heart. He has the hands of a murderer. He has the heart of an adulterer. And so we get a sense in these Psalms that these aren't about David. They're about one greater than David. David isn't writing about himself. He's writing about someone who dies a death that David could never die. A death on behalf of his people. He's writing about one who walks the the valley of the shadow of death in a way that David couldn't even understand. He's writing about one that David himself calls his shepherd. And then we come to Psalm 24 and and we read these last verses of Psalm 24 from verse 7 to verse 10. And we read about one whose crown is greater than David's. And whose kingdom is greater than David's. One who deserves more honour and glory and praise than David ever could. And so these three Psalms, 22, 23 and 24, actually form a little trilogy of Psalms. Psalm 22 is a Psalm of the cross. It's about the death of Christ. Psalm 23 is a Psalm of the crook. The shepherd's crook, it's about Christ being the shepherd of his people who leads and guides and protects even through death. And then Psalm 24 is a psalm of the crown. It's a psalm where we read about the ascension of Christ into glory and the the gates and doors of heaven flinging wide to receive him as he is coronated king of kings and lord of lords. And so this psalm, Psalm 24, which is all about worship, leads us to understand where we should direct our worship. Our worship should be given to Jesus Christ and also should be given through Jesus Christ, the King of glory, the Lord of hosts. Psalm 24 breaks down into three sections for us. Verses 1 and 2 explain that we worship God because He is the creator. Verses 3 to 6 
explain we worship God because he is holy. And then finally, verses 7 to 10, explain that we worship God in and through Jesus Christ. So we'll begin with verses 1 and 2. We worship God because he is the creator. This psalm has a great opening, doesn't it? It's a great reminder to us. The earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. It's like that scene from The Lion King when when Mufasa takes Simba up to the top of the mountain. And he, he tells him to look out and he says, everything you can see, everything the light touches is our kingdom. Psalm 24 reminds us that the earth and all its fullness, everything in it, belongs to God. Everything the light touches. He is the one who made it and it belongs to him from sea to shining sea, from the North Pole to the South Pole, from King's Mills to Jared's Pass and everything in between. All of it was made by God. It is his. He established this place. He founded it upon the seas. Your house, the the land that your house sits upon belongs to God. The timbers that hold your roof in place. The material that make up the clothes that you're wearing today, it all belongs to God. And so this psalm calls us to worship God who made all things. We worship God because he's the creator. But in fact, it runs deeper than that. Because if God made this world and all that is in it, He also made all those who dwell in it. He made us. We are part of his creation. We belong to God. God made you. He made our first father, Adam, from the dust of the ground. And he has made each one of us who descend from Adam. But I think it's important for us to know that he made us for a reason. He he made us with a purpose. He made us for something. The reference in verse 2 about the seas and waters is significant. The the Hebrew people were not a seafaring people. They preferred it on land. So the sea to them was a, a fearful and uncertain place. And quite often in the Bible we, we read imagery about the sea being a place of chaos. A place where there is no order, there is no purpose. But if we read Genesis, if we read Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we understand that God gathered the waters together and he formed dry land. He he brought order out of the chaos. So Psalm 24 tells us that the God who made the earth is a God who creates with purpose. He had a purpose in mind when he created the world and everything in it. It wasn't because God was bored that he created. He made it all for his own glory. That's why God created the world. And so when I say that God created you, I am saying, based on the evidence of Scripture, that you were made by God For the purpose of glorifying him. That's what you were created for. That's why you are here on this earth. 
We worship God because he created all things, but we also worship him because that's what we've been made for. Your life has a purpose. It isn't chance, it isn't fate. You are here to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that goes for all of us, from the very youngest to the very oldest. And so when I say this psalm is about worship, I don't think I'm over-egging the pudding to say there's nothing more important for us to talk about. This psalm is about the very thing that you were created to do. I want to put it a slightly different way. I want to quote a a man called Timothy Keller. Some of you will have heard of Tim Keller. Keller says this. He says, you don't get to decide to worship. Everybody worships. You don't get to decide to worship. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. He goes on to say this. If you worship money and things, if there were your your top real meaning in life, then you'll never have enough. You'll never feel that you have enough. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. He says, worship power and you will end up feeling weak and afraid and you will need ever more power over others to numb your own fear. Worship intellect, being seen as smart and you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. You see, we have been made to worship. That's what we are created for And so as a worshipper, you will find something to worship. You don't get a choice whether or not to worship, but you can decide what you worship. If you worship anything other than God, well, then you're worshiping a created thing. And created things can't hold up to the worship that you give them. It will end up destroying you. Only God which is who you've actually been created to worship, is worthy of all glory and honour and praise. Only he can live up to it. One reason for that is his majesty as creator of all this earth and all its fullness and all who dwell therein. Another reason that God can hold up to the worship that he requires is because he is holy. That's what verses 3 to 6 tell us. We heard in our call to worship today that God is holy, holy, holy. Now there's a reason for that. In the Hebrew, there aren't many superlatives. The word very is not used in Hebrew. Words like great aren't used in Hebrew. You don't increase the force of the word good by saying that something is very good or great or even brilliant. Instead, the Hebrew language uses repetition. So we would say something is good, good, or it is even good, good, good. And so you can see how this relates to God's holiness. We're told lots of things about God in scripture. He is good. He is love. He is caring. He is compassionate. He is gracious. 
But it's only his holiness that is given this threefold repetition. God is so holy. He is immensely holy. He is holy in a way that nothing and no one else is holy. Our God is holy, holy, holy. This is maybe an aspect of God's character that we've lost touch with. You see, God's holiness is a very serious thing. And approaching our God in a sinful state is a terrifying thing to do. And so I wonder, whenever I asked at the start of the sermon, how did you prepare for worship? Uh, Yes, I was making a bit of a quip about washing our hands, but there's actually a serious point to that. How did we prepare for worship? Did we think about coming before a holy God? A God whose holiness destroys people. Under the Old Testament, there was only one person who could enter into God's presence in the Holy of Holies. And that was the high priest. And even then, the high priest could only enter once a year on the Day of Atonement. And even then, he he had to undergo a cleansing ritual accompanied with blood sacrifices. It's not easy to approach a holy God. It's a serious business. And so it's actually important to think about how we prepared for church today. The God of the Bible hasn't changed. And so what's required in this psalm is also required of us. Clean hands. A pure heart. Not lifting up our soul to an idol. As I was saying to the boys and girls, clean hands is a statement about our actions or our inactions. Do we always do the right things? Do we refrain from doing the wrong things? Is there anybody here who can say when it comes to sin and keeping God's commandments that we have clean hands? I know I can't. A pure heart is a a statement about our desires and motivations. Why do we do the things we do? What are we motivated by? Usually it's selfishness, but even if it isn't, our our motivations can't always said to be pure. So often we're motivated by sinful desires, greed, lust, pride, so on and so on and so on. David, who wrote this psalm, knew this very well. And reading through his His words in the Psalms do help us to confess our sins before a holy God. If you don't know the depth of your own sin, then I think that you're not looking hard enough. But all the while, God, well, he is holy. He is holy, holy, holy. He is the opposite to our sinfulness. And because of his holiness, our sinfulness needs to be punished. I want you to listen to a prayer that was written by the Puritan Richard Baxter. This is an example of maybe understanding the depth of our sin. Baxter wrote in this prayer, Most gracious, most just, and great, most great, most just, and gracious God, you are of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. You condemn the ungodly, unrepentant, and unbelievers, but you have promised mercy through Jesus Christ to all who repent and believe in him. 
Therefore, we confess that we are sinful by nature and we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have neglected and abused your holy worship, your holy name. We have dealt unjustly and uncharitably with our neighbours. We have not sought first your kingdom and righteousness. We've not been content with our daily bread. You have revealed your wonderful love to us in Christ and offered us pardon and salvation in him, but we have turned away. We have run into temptation and the sin that we should have hated, we have committed. Each one of us here today could pray that prayer, couldn't we? When it comes to worship, we have to realise who it is we are worshipping. We are worshipping a holy, holy, holy God. And not one of us is fit to stand in his holy place. We have unclean hands. We have unpure hearts. So let me ask again, how did you prepare for worship today? By that I mean this. Are you here in full and complete reliance on Jesus? Or are you trusting in your own righteousness? Are you trusting in how you look to the outside world? Or are you trusting in Christ? If you're still trusting in yourself, if you're still hoping that maybe God will accept you on the basis of what you have done or your motivations for what you are doing, then you've not understood the holiness of God and you've no idea why Jesus died upon the cross. You see, it's only in Christ that we can be here today. That means that any who come to to worship today must come in and through Jesus. If you've not come to faith in Christ, well, there could be any number of reasons why you are here today, but worshipping the one true and living God is not it. You see, this psalm is not teaching legalism or moralism. It sounds a bit like that, doesn't it? It sounds like it's saying that we should have clean hands. We we should make our hearts pure. But it's not teaching that. It's not teaching that we qualify by our deeds or our character. It's teaching that we qualify through trust in Jesus. You see there in verse 5 that we shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of our salvation. We don't conjure these things up from within ourselves. We we receive them from Christ. We qualify through trust in Jesus. Clothed and hidden in Christ, we are the righteousness of God. Our worship is acceptable to God through Jesus. In Jesus, we have clean hands and pure hearts. Isn't that amazing? Upon the cross, an exchange took place. Christ's righteousness for our sinfulness. That's what the last few verses of this psalm are all about. We worship God in and through Jesus. 
You see, there are other religions in this world that see God as a creator. There are other religions that see God as holy. Judaism would be a good example. For Jews, God is both creator and holy. But there's something lacking, isn't there? There's something lacking from their worship that makes it deficient. They lack Christ. They lack the truth that God himself is the king of glory. Who came to die upon the cross and then rise again. They miss the truth that this psalm is speaking about Jesus. It's speaking about his ascension into heaven following his resurrection. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. That's a verse of the Bible which speaks about Jesus Christ being received into the highest heavens as the glorified Son of God, the Lord and Saviour of mankind. He is the King of glory. Who is the King of glory? Jesus Christ. He is the Lord, the Lord strong and mighty, victorious in battle over sin and death. Jesus went to fight. He went to battle on behalf of his people. And he is victorious in the resurrection. This psalm teaches us that worship is misdirected and it's deficient unless it's given to Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And that's why we gather to worship, to hear the gospel. Yes, to hear about the depth of our sin and to hear about the holiness of God and to hear how God has made a way for us to have our sin removed from us, for our hands to be made clean and our hearts to be made pure through Jesus Christ. You have heard this gospel today and so for you there's no excuse. You must know today that if you still refuse to accept Christ's sacrifice on your behalf, then you bring condemnation on yourself. But for those who do believe, isn't the gospel of Jesus Christ, our our victorious king of glory, isn't that a reason in itself to worship God? A simple way of putting the gospel is this. You are more sinful than you ever thought you were. And you are more loved than you ever dreamed you could be. Please don't hear me speak about sin in a way that makes you despise yourself. Hear me saying that you should be grateful that in Christ your sins can be removed from you. And that through Christ we are made by God in the power of the Holy Spirit into a new creation conformed in the image of Christ. And amazingly that's what happens when we gather. By looking to Jesus we are enabled by the Holy Spirit to become more like him. Through the ministry of the word over time we develop pure hearts and clean hands. We seek his glorious and wonderful face. So how did you prepare for worship today? How will you prepare next week? Well, maybe this psalm can help us. Because no matter how well-dressed we are, no matter how good we smell, we are here to worship God.
because he is the creator. We're here to worship God because he is holy. And we worship God in the only way possible through Jesus Christ. Let us pray together.